0: Welcome to the American Cinema Foundation Movie Podcast. I am your host, Titus, and today I am joined again in our critic series by my friend, Armand White. This has got to be our fourth, maybe our fifth conversation. It's always a pleasure to learn from one of the longest-lived and most stylistically recognizable critics in the business, and indeed a man of very strong opinions. Armand is always Armand, and that makes him refreshing in the age of what people call content or social media. We've already done recently a podcast on one new collection from your New York Press years with you and with Matt Solar sites and with Godfrey Cheshire. And now you have another collection out, Make Spielberg Great Again, the Steven Spielberg Chronicles. You are indeed a chronicler of pop culture, of pop heroes, of the transformations of America's youth culture and the artists who try to say what they have noticed and what they're really thinking about through their art. And now you're turning to the most popular, most successful director of the last 50 years. And he, nevertheless, a man who doesn't get the attention he deserves as an artist and as an American. Uh, Armand, thanks a lot for joining me. Congratulations on your second collection in as many months coming out. I hope this is the success you deserve and the education people need and deserve in regards to
1: cinema, and American cinema especially. How are you? I'm doing fine, Titus, and uh, thank you for the invitation. I'm happy to speak with you again, especially on this occasion, to talk about the Spielberg book, a subject that's dear to me, I can say, and for a couple of reasons. First of all, because his films are such a significant part of the movie-going experience for the past few years, for me individually, but also, I think, for many other people. And so through this book, uh, I'm able to express my responses to those films and also, I hope, address how those films express the past many years that we've been through, that we've gone through as people interested in culture and also as citizens interested in citizenship.
0: Yeah, in a way, this is what criticism is. We're trying to learn from the artists we admire, how they see America, what is on their minds, how are they reacting, and to use our own judgment in turn, and I certainly learn much about what it means as a critic to use your judgment from you, so I turn to you again because Spielberg needs defenders. A man of such phenomenal success, nevertheless, is not taken very seriously as a pop artist, this collection shows how for decades you have championed an adequate understanding of Spielberg that would go along with the popular love of Spielberg. Here, for the most part, the people have done their part. They know that this is somehow the most American director of his time, and yet the critics have not done their part in explaining what is it that we're all responding to here? What is it that makes Spielberg this strangely American humanist? In his movies imagery and sentimentality are always tied up with these deeper longings of the american heart and whatever the story however current or fantastic they're always also connected to his reactions to the times to his grasp on the american pulse but let's start with the artistic side talk to me about spielberg the pop artist his vision the use of imagery and sentiment that brings the audience to a kind of heightened awareness
1: Well, one thesis of the book is indeed that Spielberg is a pop artist, meaning that he is an artist who uses film, the film medium to address an audience in commonly understood terms, using popular language, using vernacular language and popular beliefs, common beliefs. This is what defines a pop artist, and that is a uh, particular identity that people take for granted and so don't take seriously. But whether or not they can uh, respect it, I think one of the interesting things about Spielberg's career is that many people do respond. And whether or not they express respect or esteem, the fact of responding, the fact of its popularity is what's most important and cannot be denied. Where Spielberg's significance as a popular artist is denied is in that strange world of criticism, gatekeeping, And uh, those responses, though they're with us, and sometimes you have to fight them, they're more annoying than they are important. The fact of Spielberg's popularity is what's most important. And what's most pleasing is that that popularity occurs as a response to filmmaking at the very highest level. He's not a filmmaker who makes schlock. And when people respond to Spielberg films, they're responding to extraordinary craft, They're also responding to a very refined sense of how life works, how human beings behave, and also a very fine and incisive appreciation of human spiritual aspiration and desire. He is, as I say in the book, the most popular and significant American filmmaker since D.W. Griffith. Spielberg is positioned at one end of the history of cinema, Griffith at the other, But they have in common, this popular gift for addressing the mass audience through the highest forms of cinema. So that's fascinating to me. And I say that it's only happened twice. It's only happened with Griffith. It's only happened with Spielberg. And as a film critic, I am (laughs) impressed and I feel lucky. I feel fortunate at being able to comment on the works of probably the two most important popular filmmakers ever. That doesn't mean there are not other great filmmakers I respond to, but Spielberg and Griffith are especially important in terms of understanding the history of film and in terms of understanding what it means when cinema is a popular art form in addition to being a true art form. Yeah,
0: I think that these are the two things that we need to keep in mind. Cinema is an art. Watching Spielberg's movies, you can learn everything you need to know about how a character reveals himself, why we're interested in him, but also technically how he should be presented to us. In time and space, Spielberg shows you to truly know this character and his story, somebody with whom you identify a longing that you feel yourself it has to be presented in this way, in this artful way. He's not obnoxious or pedanting, but he's compelling instead. This is why, as you say, the audience responds. We are being taught without noticing that we are being taught. In a way, as kids are, through playfulness and pleasure. Spielberg is not homework. But at the same time, cinema is also popular. And strangely enough, the more it's turned into a business, into uh, making movies for the sake of selling any number of things. We've ended up with the Uber studio Disney that owns the American imagination and is selling it back to us every year, remaking old classics and doing any number of gimmicks to sell more theme park things. So as popular and corporate as cinema gets, contempt for what is truly popular for Spielberg's art has also risen. Nobody except Spielberg in our times could plausibly be said to have appealed to the people through cinema to respect themselves and in a way to stand up for themselves in their search for entertainment. Time was when you went to see Spielberg's movies, you were entertained, but also sort of proud. This is an amazing thing you've seen. It's great to be part of it with all the other people. And knowing that there is a national, indeed a global audience for this, Spielberg brought us all together in that sense. And yet neither his popularity nor his craft get the respect they deserve. And of course, Spielberg is now like the entire boomer generation fading. He's 75 or 76 at this point, although still at work. But his place in our cultural discussion is not what it should be. As you say, in a way, you would have to look back to the origins of cinema to understand what it means to use this new technology because you've discovered how it plays on emotion. Because you have discovered, therefore, also the duty of the artist to express and therefore modulate and even educate emotion. This was Spielberg's lifelong passion. This was the best in him. It's why two generations now have been mesmerized by his work. With Spielberg, you get the unity of emotion and image that is very, very hard to find. In a way, what people are complaining about when they're complaining about CGI or movies that are excessive or gratuitous or just schlock, everybody's complaining that there's not more Spielberg to go around. Spielberg is unique. You can't have another one. But in another way, it is strange that he does not have the imitators, or perhaps imitator is the wrong word. I would have expected that more directors react as young men, as artists. You have to discover yourself as an artist. And given uh, Spielberg's power and his reach, I would have thought that he would have influenced more artists who would then, with their own individual vision, try to, so to speak, compete with his use their own sensibility to reveal things that he awoke them to, but which they feel better expressed in their own sensibility. Just as much as I think I I worry about the critical contempt for Spielberg, I also worry about his lack of influence in educating other artists through his examples, through his movies, how to put craft and new developments in technology and new ideas together with sentiment and the way to reach an audience
1: culture, our culture changes, but uh, the need for art has not changed. The need for art is the same now as it was in Griffith's day. (laughs) I am fond of the Griffith-Spielberg comparison for this reason. Both filmmakers, I believe, understood what people needed from art, what people needed from culture. D.W. Griffith expressed all the emotional needs that were met by uh, 19th century literature, by Victorian theater in the films that he made at the beginning of the 20th century. Those same needs still exist within humans and Spielberg addresses those same needs in a way that reflects living at the end of the 20th century as opposed to Griffith at the beginning. Their adherence to this need that the audience has for expressive art is the same. It's very important. And though our culture's understanding of that need vacillates the need persists, and it's always evident in the work of genuine artists like Griffith and Spielberg. Spielberg is always in touch with the zeitgeist, and uh, I would point that out as being apparent in his very first theatrical film, which was *The Sugarland Express*. *Sugarland Express* came out in 1975. It's a movie that fit into a genre that was extremely popular at that time: criminal lovers on the Lamb, typified by *Bonnie and Clyde* from 1967. Through that genre, of uh, filmmakers were able to express some of the anxieties in American culture during the 1960s. Uh, Anxiety is having to do with law and order, with class, with money, with violence, and also with love. It's there in Land Express, and it's there because Spielberg understands, or I guess perhaps intuitively knew that this is something that the popular audience was interested in and responding to at that time. This makes him a zeitgeist artist, even though The Sugar Land Express was not a popular film. But it's a superb film that works in popular terms, sort of the way Arthur Penn's Bonnie and Clyde did as well. Although Bonnie and Clyde was made with a, with a very high level of artistic sophistication, it still worked on a popular level. And Spielberg is able to work that way, too. And it's one of the defining features of what I call the American Renaissance that, as I point out in the book, lasted <laughs> roughly from 67 to 83. That's a prime period of the beginnings of Spielberg's career and perhaps even the peak of his career, one might think. And what's taking place in that period is that uh, American film culture is responding to all the innovations and breakthroughs of uh, European art cinema of the 1960s and 70s. And it's using those breakthroughs, those new techniques, to depict and to explore American culture and American society at that time. This is one of the fascinating features of American filmmaking during that Renaissance period. Those filmmakers who came to the fore from 67 through 83, like Spielberg, like De Palma, Coppola, like Scorsese, like Peck and Pa, like Walter Hill, and several others. This makes their films fascinating as not just artistic endeavors, but also as works of populism, you could say. And people responded to those films because there was a period when Hollywood finance films in particular were also in tune to the zeitgeist, but not at the craven level of simply making movies to make money and sell popcorn, but at a different level. Hollywood, at its best in that period, was interested in making movies and did indeed make movies that express people's experiences and also, as Griffith first demonstrated, making movies that were edifying to the human experience. And as our culture changes, that spiritual need that we get from movies and from art has not changed. But it's the rare artist who is always attending to the need for spiritual uplift. And Griffith is one, and Spielberg continues in that tradition. So I think that's worth stating if I hadn't stated it before. Perhaps we should talk also about the other side
0: of Spielberg and get closer to some of the movies. The part of your collection that I liked best was the part that deals with the Bush years or the beginning of the 21st century or America after 9-11 when so much changed in the culture and all of a sudden it became imperative for America's leading artist to reflect on these things and to react in some way to the national
1: drama. Spielberg always is uh, attuned to the zeitgeist. It should be an instinctive thing for any popular filmmaker that has never stopped. And it came into sharper focus, perhaps, after 9-11. And So the section of the book that goes from his early career, starting with Sugar Land Express, going through uh, The Color Purple and E.T., arrives at the most obvious zeitgeist moment, which is the films he made in the early aughts, films that were made in the aftermath of 9-11. So, at that point, we get to AI, we get to Minority Report, we get to uh, War of the Worlds, and The uh, Terminal. Particularly, those are the post 9 11 films and the ones that express a new sense of American experience, of America feeling that its role in the world has changed, America itself being feeling besieged. And Spielberg deals with all of that in those movies. And he does it naturally, I think, or instinctively, I should say, not trying to exploit 9-11 but trying to understand what his popular audience, what they're feeling, but also uh, trying to provide for them what they need from culture, which is a way of understanding themselves, a way of understanding the world, and also a way of uh, going to art, not just for understanding but also for edification.
0: Yeah, I think especially in the case of War of the Worlds, you see an artist crafting a story, trying to bring out the sentiments with which the nation faced this unprecedented violence. You write very well on the movie and precisely on how, as a pop artist, he gets the audience to face these emotions, to see characters that also undergo that, if in a fantastic context... Contemporary, but it's fantastic. It's us, but displaced from our experience to a sufficient degree by a story so that we can confront it. To some extent, it's like therapy for the entire nation. And to some extent, it's a new affirmation of the themes of American freedom. A father's responsibility for his children, but also the new situation where not everybody is married because it's not the 50s anymore. This is a broken family with divorce. There are, of course, the fears of the civilian population and the good and bad of people trying to make it in, in a time of crisis. And there's also the patriotic response of signing up for the military. The last thing anybody expected, as you astutely point out, from the famous liberal Steven Spielberg. But it is true about America. It is part of the experience that defined that time. Now anybody, even people too young to have seen 9-11, anybody who looks at that movie sympathetically and goes through the experience emotionally will have a pretty good understanding of what it was like.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's real insight in that movie. Spielberg displays an an amazing capacity to convey the complicated feelings that people felt immediately after 9-11 to display those feelings and express them in powerful imagery. And also, though, a part of his gift in simple and clear imagery, where the emotions that the characters go through, the catastrophe that they are involved in, is well understood, uh, not cheapened, not simplified, but in fact is enlarged and felt. And uh, he's the filmmaker who did it best. And it comes from what's, to return to one of your initial ideas, it goes back to what's often unappreciated about Spielberg. This gift for addressing the popular audience, telling stories through a popular idiom and using popular language and common emotion is often not appreciated enough. And maybe, maybe that's in part because of the, the institution that, that Spielberg is part of. Maybe it's because of Hollywood. So often uh, oversimplifies things that people take for granted the possibilities that there are for Hollywood films, for American pop art to go deep and to be true. Probably because it doesn't happen that often, (laughs) but it did happen almost all the time in Spielberg's case, especially in the first two thirds of his career. I would like to remind people and prompt you as well, Titus, that what's significant about American experience in the post 9-11 films is also there in the films that Spielberg made before. It's what's extraordinary about the oddly, (laughs) the strangely popular, yet not fully appreciated The Color Purple. Is very much a zeitgeist film coming out in the mid 80s when there was a particular kind of feminist and black movement in the culture. And people, when I say people here, I mean real people, not people who consider themselves authorities and are paid by established institutions to pose as authorities, but real people responded to the color purple, always did, always have. Respect, the recognition that has always been there from real people. The lack of esteem Spielberg has suffered has only come from the gatekeepers, the official people, the establishment of culture. They're the ones who held back from understanding why Spielberg is not just a famous popular artist, but truly a popular artist. Yeah, The
0: Color Purple is also one of really only two movies that Spielberg made that is focused on the experience of women, and indeed, as you said, black women in this case, and therefore also America's racial struggle and the quest for both freedom and equality, for some kind of recognition in citizenship as American, but also the freedom that Spielberg's characters are always looking for, as Americans are always looking for, for a kind of self-understanding and a way to live life. That was one of the cases where, let's say, the Academy simply surrendered. It was a popular movie, but it also had 11 nominations, all the important categories, but it didn't win anything. (laughs) That, I guess you would say, is mostly the story of Spielberg, even when he gets some kind of official recognition, it's only partly there. Understanding what America is going through and trying to give expression to the transformations in society You have to have a sense of mission to do it, a sense of duty, and you have to love telling beautiful stories, but you also have to be incredibly patient because it might not be rewarded or even applauded. In a way, it's strange to say that, as we said, the most famous, the most celebrated director in half a century is somehow not really rewarded or applauded, but
1: it is true. Sure. If you could be trivial for a moment, just to (laughs) isolate that point But think about 11 Oscar nominations and zero wins in terms of what did win that year which is, in a way, is the movie that was almost the exact opposite of The Color Purple, Sidney Pollock's Out of Africa, you know, whereas the more popular film, The Color Purple, spoke to audiences who understood female experience, who understood the Black experience very well. Official Hollywood ignored it, more or less, in preference to a a kind of (laughs) white feminist fantasy that completely went against everything that the popular audience understood about their own lives. And that irony is what Spielberg has always been up against, the greatness of his art. Somehow or other, uh, the official folk have a problem with it, whereas real people never did.
0: Yeah, you bring up a very good contrast here that although he is a very famous liberal, somehow the liberal requirement of political earnestness always rejects Spielberg. Spielberg is morally earnest. He is shamelessly sentimental. But what he looks for is the best he can find in human experience, the best expression of it, not the best political statement of the day. As you said, you know, for most of his career, he didn't do that. And so he somehow failed to meet the standards of making fashionable statements that were, and still are, so rewarded at the Oscars. And I think that's the key to why he is incredibly humanist and liberal in a broad sense and compassionate in a broad non-partisan sense cinema has not been rewarded as it should have
1: been. Right, right. That's certainly true. But on the other hand, uh, the award... <laughs> Maybe the only award that matters is the genuine popularity of films like Close Encounters, E.T., and The Color Purple. That cannot be taken away from him. He may not have gotten Oscars for them, but the fact is, those movies had an impact on the culture, and for people who responded to them, uh, they responded deeply. That's what matters in the end, that's what's more important. And it's also, uh, it's good that we keep that in mind as a way of uh, maintaining our own skepticism about the gatekeepers, about official culture and and those who presume to control and define what is official culture. When something is popular, as my sister says, when something is good, everybody knows it. And that's certainly proven out by Spielberg's most popular films. These later films, his Obama era films, are not popular at all. And uh, despite whatever our politicized media tells us is good these days, the fact is nobody wants those films. Those films have failed to be popular for many reasons. But to go back to the most popular films of Spielberg's career and, and why they are significant, it's because they meet the standards that moviegoers have, their need to understand themselves, their lives, and to have their lives uplifted without pandering, without condescension, and through the best artistic method. Yeah, what Spielberg offers above all is uplift. And he's also, obviously, I I feel, and the book, I think, explains in in many, many details, he's also a complex artist. Himself is known to be a liberal Hollywoodian, but in point of fact, his films are full of heroes who are not. Common man, working class heroes, and several films, the uh, authority figures and protagonists are not liberals, like Captain Tanner in in The Strugland Express, for instance. You know, the cop hero is not foreign to the Spielberg universe. It's part of the America that he understands and knows and that his audience, his true audience, responds to.
0: Yeah, all of these things are borne out also by War of the Worlds. A Very popular movie, very working class and sort of morally conservative. Protagonist doing the most American thing, taking care of his family, which America responded to. This came out in 2005. It was not right after 9-11. There were other attempts, but where is America's 9-11 movie? This is the only one that people actually liked. Even if it is not highly regarded, it should be regarded at least respectfully and appreciatively as an artistic endeavor. This was the best that America could find in the post-9-11 era. That's a sobering thing to say about uh, our Hollywood as much as about uh, criticism. But there it is. Spielberg did have something to offer America that spoke to these experiences, to the fears and to the worries. Because as you say, he is a man of complexity. In your writing on the movie, you point out that like in John Ford's The Searchers, the man who rescues the family might not be able to go back to the family. Maybe the terrible things he has to do will mark him as an outsider, precisely to that love and protection of innocence that spurs him into action in the first place. You see Tom Cruise become actually a father, and then also in this heartbreaking coda, perhaps have to sacrifice that because he has done things that scare even him. The fact that they are necessary doesn't take away the fact that he has lost innocence. And that's, as you say, a sign of artistic maturity and of complexity, of character, of storytelling, and of realism.
1: That's another example of that revisionist imagination that was at the forefront of the American Renaissance era of filmmaking. It's very apparent in War of the Worlds which in some ways is a remake of The Searchers, but it's more than that, of course. It takes ideas that Spielberg's generation of filmmakers learned from The Searchers, and it uses those ideas to better explain what American experience was like in the 21st century, especially after 9-11, where the idea of political social conflict is visited upon the American family. And the American family responds to that turmoil and to a very different needs that the family that American society has at that point in history. It updates the searchers, it transforms the searchers, and then surpasses it. Because despite all that, it's an original vision. That's not to uh, ignore the H.G. Wells source material, but it's a very original Spielbergian vision that also connects to uh, Great Close Encounters.
0: Yeah, he certainly brings Wells' story to America and not just in the sense of the context or the immediate drama when 9-11 was still fresh in the national memory, but in America in a broader sense, American moral aspirations. Well, Armand... This conversation should show our audience how to look at Spielberg, why it is that we've loved him for so long, and what a popular movie and the popular movie maker say about Americans, and how we should look at ourselves, how we should re-examine our situation in light of the sentiments he brings out. His talent, as you show in so many of your reviews in this collection, it is an invitation to confront our situations, to see what we're really about, to trust ourselves at the same time. And, of course, to trust him.
1: Well, surely. And uh, the book is called Make Spielberg Great Again. And part of what made him great was his belief in America and his belief in people and the best possibilities that they always exhibited. And I'm happy to remind people of that. And hopefully at the same time, (laughs) remind Spielberg himself. Since, as of late, he's come to make movies in an era that reflects cynicism more cynicism than he ever has before. We need to be reminded that cynicism in in itself is worthless. But what's more important is faith, spirituality, belief in God, and all those things are, are still in Spielberg. Just, you know, he should be encouraged to remember that and to bring it out more as he used to do before the Obama era.
0: Yeah, after such a long career, the last decade, not quite a decade, but nearly, has been a series of disappointments and missteps. And one hopes that he can wake up and return to his prior greatness. That is to return to himself, first of all, and in another way,
1: return to America at the same time. <laughs> return so, to himself as uh, Americans should return to their founding principles. Exactly. And things have been forgotten, but the best Spielberg movies will remind people of them. And that kind of reminder can help us reclaim them and get back to that humanity. Yes. And that spirituality. And even to that great art. You know, when you, you started out and you, you mentioned Marvel and, and the sci-fi CGI movies that we have now. Clearly, we've gotten away from the fundamental things that make cinema a great art. And we need to make cinema a great art again as well. We need to remember that what's important about cinema, what's important about cinematic storytelling, is how it deals with the fundamentals of human experience. And also the fundamentals of art. How the visual art form of the cinema is entirely different from what people have accustomed themselves to accepting in television and streaming. I guess I dare say that even if you have to watch Spielberg movies on DVD now, All the same, his gift for composition and for rhythm, as well as his serious ability to explore thematic ideas with depth. The visual presentation, the the audiovisual presentation of his films is also an idea, an ideal that's been lost in our culture, in contemporary pop culture, and uh, that needs to be remembered and we need to get back to that. So
0: then these are the watchwords for Spielberg. Populism, humanism, the artistic sensibility, and the craft. These are the things we shall leave our audience with and, of course, invite them to watch these movies again and especially to go buy your book, Armand White, Make Spielberg Great Again. It's wonderful since it is a collection of reviews on so many movies. I read now on this movie, yesterday on another couple of movies, tomorrow I have some more on the list. And, of course, it's something that you can do every weekend when you have some time to watch a movie. So it's a wonderful gift as well since the season is coming. Everybody go buy Armand White's book. Make Spielberg great again. Thanks a lot for joining me again, Armand. Let's talk again soon.
1: All right. My pleasure. Thank you very much. All the best.